In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to tell you about Dr. Howard. Name changed. Take the innocent. From Beaufort, Dr. Howard was not a member of uh, my parish here in South Carolina, but uh, he never uh, missed a early Thursday morning a Bible study that I had, unless he was sick or unless he was out of town, which was seldom. He was always there and he was taking a lot of notes. About a year, I guess, after a faithful attendance, uh, I asked him uh, to have lunch with me, and I learned, much to his amazement, that he was not only he was not only not a member of any particular church, but he wasn't even a Christian. Uh, no, he said, I, I couldn't in, in good conscience say the apostles or the Nicene Creed. So do I get kicked out of your Bible study or can I continue to come? And I assured him that he could uh, continue to come. You never know when the good shepherd uh, will bring someone into the sheepfold. And we went on to talk about uh, Christianity vis-a-vis all of the other uh, religious faiths. I still hear, by the way, from Dr. Howard from, from time to time, and he's still attending Sunrise Centers there uh, in Beaufort every Thursday morning, but uh, he still, he says, is not uh, a convert to Christianity. Now, this sermon is directed to folks who, when it comes to believing uh, the Christian gospel, are perhaps not quite there, but almost persuaded but have not gotten beyond the almost. It's not so much directed to the confirmed skeptics who are turned off by the claims of Christianity. It won't absolutely nothing to do with it, but rather uh, those who willingly lend an ear and listen with interest, but have never turned to Christ uh, in faith. There are many examples of people like this in the New Testament. I think of Felix and also Agrippa. It's recorded in the, recorded in the book of Acts. Both of those guys came mighty close to uh, Christianity, they were almost persuaded, but they never uh, completely bought in. Uh, earlier in Acts, we, we learned that Paul preached in Athens, Greece, in the middle of the Areopagus, about the lordship of Jesus and about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's, it's recorded there that there were three basic reactions uh, to Paul's sermon there. One is that some mocked. And disbelief too. Others said, well, we're not real sure. We'll talk to you further about this. And then the third class, the third group of people said that some believed. Now this sermon is directed to those in the second group. And if you're a normal congregation of people that I will be preaching to today or listening on the radio, the, the second group is well represented. People who says, interesting, <clears throat> but not quite sure. Uh, perhaps intrigued by it, but at least uh, skeptical. Believe me, I've been there. One such man <clears throat> in the New Testament was King Herod. Herod is one of the most fascinating stories in the New Testament. Herod married his half-brother's daughter, which is to say Herod married his niece, a young woman named Herodias. Now, such a marriage was not allowable According to Jewish law, and John the Baptist, who had burst forth from the wilderness to the national scene, let them know, let them know about it. And Herodias was mad as a hornet at John the Baptist for his outspokenness and wanted Herod killed. 
But Herod wanted nothing to do with it. Why? Verse 20, because Herod feared John, that is, respected John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and kept him safe. When Herod heard John the Baptist, he was much perplexed, and yet he heard John the Baptist gladly, it says. Now hold on to that verse for just a moment while I get on with the story of Herod. We're told that Herod sometimes later held a stag party in which Herodias' daughter danced half-naked. Now, these kind of X-rated uh, stag parties were common uh, in that era. And Herod got all hot and bothered, and he promised this dancing beauty anything that she wanted. Well, he spoke too quick. Obviously, he was speaking out of passion. But uh, uh, Herodias' daughters say, anything I want. So Herodias' daughters go back to her mother... Uh, And the mother says, ah, now's my chance to get Herod killed. And so he said, go back and tell the king that you want uh, the head of John the Baptist. Now, Herod was a man of pride uh, and uh, he couldn't bear to lose face. Uh, So he felt compelled to go through with his promise and he had John the Baptist beheaded. And one does not know whether to feel sorry for for, for Herod or disgusted. I would mostly the latter. But the whole point of this story centers around verse 20, where it says, Herod feared John, respected John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. He kept him safe. And most people believe that he kept him safe. He put him in prison where Herodias couldn't get to him. But John apparently visited, excuse me, Herod nevertheless went to the prison and heard John preach, because he goes on to say, when Herod heard John teach, he was much perplexed, that is, his conscience was pricked, and yet Herod heard him gladly. And we don't know exactly what all John the Baptist was preaching to Herod, but we know this, that John the Baptist never backed down from the truth. And he preached that everybody, including Herod, needed repentance for the, for the forgiveness of sins. And we also know this, that John the Baptist always pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. He always pointed to Jesus. He said his sandals are not worthy to untie. And John had a definite message and it called for a definite decision, a definite response. And we're told here that Herod heard him. His conscience was pricked. Remarkably, he heard him gladly. He was almost persuaded, Herod was, but he never completely bought in. In fact, much later when Jesus was arrested, this same Herod mocked Jesus and sent him back to Pilate. Now, I'm not suggesting that every person sitting on the fence, so to speak, when it comes to the Christian faith will turn out like Herod. But I can tell you this without reservation, because the Bible tells us so, that fence sitting with a Christian gospel leads nowhere but a wasteland. I don't know how to say it more nicely. The Christian faith is not something to be to be listened to for enjoyment without it being supremely important. And unfortunately, many people today are like Herod, some like Dr. Howard in Buford. They may be in Bible studies regularly. They may be meet church regularly. And their cases are different from people who show no interest whatsoever and are completely turned off, who do not hear gladly. No, this is about people who hear the gospel gladly. They are intrigued by its claim. Their conscience are pricked. They are almost persuaded that they don't surrender to the throne of grace. The message 
doesn't grip their lives. <clears throat> I sent a good friend an email birthday greeting not long ago. And the subject line said, Happy Birthday. You open it and I said, As sand in an hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And then I concluded with Hebrews 9.27, It is appointed for men to die once and then comes judgment. It's a very upbeat kind of birthday greeting there. <clears throat> but my point is, my point, of the, my point of it was that in the face of reality, how can you be almost... The, the, the gospel is such powerful news. Listen again to what we just heard from Ephesians. In Christ, we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness through our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He's lavished on us. In Him, we have heard the truth, the gospel of our salvation, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we come into possession of it. How good is that? How sad not to be gripped by it. To be on the proverbial fence, to be only almost persuaded by such an amazing truth, almost, can be such a sad word. I almost passed. I almost made the cut. We almost worked things out. And Herod was just one of the many people in the New Testament narrative who were almost persuaded by the gospel. And interestingly, the ones who got beyond the almost, the one who latched on to Jesus. Who were they? The weak, the blind, the lame, the deaf, and above all, the sinner. To get beyond almost, what does it mean? It is when a man or a woman turns to Christ empty, J.C. Ryle said, that they may be filled, sick, that they may be healed, hungry, that they may be satisfied, thirsty, that they may be refreshed, needy, that they may be enriched, dying, that they may have life, lost, that they may be saved, guilty, that they may be pardoned, sin defiled, that they may be cleansed. We can't get around Jesus. People have been trying to do it forever. And some people live on the proverbial fence for five or ten 20 years, a lifetime, but you can't get around Jesus. There's no way to do it. Not in this lifetime, and certainly not the final day when we will all stand before him. None of us have perfect faith. But in this story about Herod, God is calling us, even at this very moment, that we not only hear him gladly with our outward ears, but inwardly, in our heart of hearts, with inexpressible joy. For Jesus' sake. Amen.